When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golik and Smitty. I'm Mike Golik. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to another edition of Golik and Smetty. I am Mike Golik Sr. She is Jess Smetana. And Jess, wow, are we in it, especially with football. We certainly have other sports to talk about as well but what a weekend of conference championship games and nfl games it was a a long weekend of a lot of football first off how did your weekend go was it smack dab in front of a tv all weekend yes i did not get off my couch from friday night until sunday night i mean it was a full college and nfl sports weekend of watch a little bit of basketball in there actually I did get off my couch Saturday morning to go to the Notre Dame men's basketball game at uh, Miami, which unfortunately was a 13 point loss. But uh, that was the only time that I, I wasn't just parked in front of my TV this weekend. So let me ask you a question. When you do that, and we all do it, and everybody has their own thing, what is your drink of choice and snack of choice? I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I've gotten really into the Publix variety dips They've got a spinach dip, a buffalo chicken dip. My boyfriend gets the Publix chicken tender sub, Mike, which I think you would really like if you haven't had it yet. While I was still playing for the Eagles, we had a home in Orlando. Publix was our our place as well. Oh, too. And man, some of those places, they they do have great food, great, uh, you know, rotisserie Mm. chickens or delis. I mean, it's because you have to be properly snacked and drink wise, and you'd like to have it all around you so you don't have to get up too much because- with three dogs, we always end up with a dog on us. So you don't want to disturb the dog and disturb the whole ecosystem by having to get up and all the dogs get down and think there's somebody here. And, <laughs> you know, you got to kind of readjust everything. So right out of the gate, all the talk about FSU. But, hey, congrats to them. After all that went down, they are national champs in football, right? Yeah. The women's soccer team won against go. Stanford, both undefeated uh-huh. going into the championship game. Uh, and they came away with a huge win. So, yeah, undefeated so, Flor- Florida State Florida national State. champion team. Just what we thought, except it was in women's <laughs> soccer. And congrats to them. They beat them pretty bad. I think 5-1 yeah, they won. I think it was, it was their fourth wow. national championship. But, yeah, you hear uh, FSU won the national championship in football. And you're like, wait a minute. No, no, they're out of the playoffs. Well, congrats to them. It's, it's a low-hanging fruit way of getting to, you know, the topic of, of where <laughs> we're at now, the final four. You know, I mean, the day of the of the conference championship games, and then we saw what was going on, and then the, before the committee gave their final four, Twitter explodes, and everybody gets so mean. Everybody yes. yells at one another so and calls mean. it. And I, I sat on air the other day with, with Jess and Mike. I'm like, why does everybody have to get so mean? Why, why can't we just have a discussion? You can have your opinion. I can have my opinion. We can differ, but we don't have to yell at one another or start calling each other names. It's another one of those keyboard muscles, you know, on Twitter where you sound so tough 
that you would never say what you're saying in Twitter to that person's face, but you want to act like you're tough. I don't get it. And I even tweeted it a couple of times as I was giving my opinion. I would actually tweet that. Why are you being so mean? We're just having a discussion. You know what? It doesn't matter at the end of the day, just what you thought or what I thought. 13 people were going to decide it. You know, we were just giving yeah. an opinion, but man, they laughed at me and mocked me like, you know, you old man, you just, you know, you're just, you're getting so sentimental and emotional as you're getting older. But I really stepped back at one point and I said, why is everybody name calling one another? As much as the elected leaders of the state of Florida want to try to change the results, which where have I heard that before? Um, <laughs> you can't go back and change it. They they decided to leave Florida State out. And I I am like, I'm so bummed for their, their players and for Jordan Travis, his tweet about, you know, I wish I had broken yeah, my leg yep. earlier in the season. I mean, that's terrible if he, if he really feels that way, which, ugh. but it, it's just the way this was always going to happen when they decided to make a four team playoff in a sport where there's five power conferences. It never made any sense. They have gotten away with not having to make a tough decision, leaving someone out until now. They have made tough decisions, but not nothing near this. Nothing near leaving out a 13 and 0 team who's you know, star quarterback broke his leg two weeks ago. So this is really the hardest choice they've ever had to make. And I, I just can't believe they actually did it. I can't believe they had I, the guts to actually do I, it. I am. And maybe they did it because this is the last year of four and they didn't care what precedent they were setting. But it seemed true. one of the things that had never happened was going to happen. Like a team that was number one had never dropped out. Who was number one in the penultimate ever dropped out. Georgia dropped out. An undefeated yeah. conference power five champ never has not been in. When the conference championship games ended and you got and we all got involved in what we thought, I put down what I thought the committee to do would do and what I would do. What would your final four have been? First of all, I do want to point out, you asked me who was in my final four like a month ago, and I said Washington, but I was very unsure about it. Yeah. That might be the only one that I got right because I, I also had Georgia. Well, I, I had Michigan in there. But Georgia, like you said, losing the SEC championship game and completely falling out yeah. of the conversation completely was shocking to me. I thought there was a chance that, you know, Texas having the head-to-head -head win over Alabama, you kind of thought, like, there's no way they're going to leave Texas out, even though Texas of the teams that made it has the, the worst, uh, you know, team team of the worst record, Oklahoma, right? Whereas Alabama's loss was to Texas, um, which I guess you could, if you use a transitive property, makes it a worse loss yeah. for Alabama yeah. too. But like, this is how you can wrap your mind in a pretzel. So when the games ended, I thought there was a chance that the committee would either really go for it and put two SEC teams oh. in, or they would do, I think, the easy option, which would be leave both SEC teams out. However, I didn't really think that was going to happen. My four would have been Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Florida State uh, with the SEC being out because I believe a lot in head-to-head. -head. And Texas went to Tuscaloosa and beat them by double digits. There's no way they could have had Alabama, in my opinion, and Georgia in there because now you're putting a team that lost to Alabama and leaving out a team in Texas that beat Alabama. So I didn't think that was going to happen. What's interesting is the old BCS formula which was used, you know, this has been going on for what, 10, 10 years, I think that this committee stuff before that it was a BCS, which picked the top two teams. And that was where our school, Notre Dame benefited in the 2012 season. It was them against Alabama, but it would also do a top 25, you know, for other bowl games and rankings and such. And every year of this new system of the human committee, you would go, you would get their final four 
and you would put it in the old BCS computer. And every year, the same four teams that the committee picked, the BCS would have picked. Might have been a different order, but the teams were the same. Every year, except this last year. This year, the teams, for the first time, the BCS had four different teams. So while the committee went Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama, the BCS model would have gone Michigan, Washington, Alabama, Florida State. Oh. Yeah. So it would have would have been different from the teams wow. that they would have put Florida. I think it was it was either Alabama or Texas. Now all of a sudden I'm, I'm bottom line is bottom line is they had Florida State in. Florida right. State was in the final four. And quick about them, Jess. I get where everybody says, well, who would say they're one of the four best? One of the things I do is go back to the first year of this when Cardale Jones had to come in as a backup or a third stringer, and he helped them smoke Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship and helped lead them to a national championship. Did the Florida State offense look as good uh, without Travis? No, it, it did not. I completely understand that. Their defense is up there with any defense in the country, without question. And they have some stars on offense. And everybody kept saying, oh, they wouldn't be in there. They shouldn't be in there with a third stringer. The third stringer wasn't going to play. Tate Rodemaker was going to be back for it. So I, I feel awful for them. I still think they would have gotten the sh uh, should have gotten the shot to be in the final four. It, it, no matter what, you're still human beings, those 13. So I always wonder what emotion will carry them. As much as they want to say there's no emotion involved. But there is no – so what, what I wonder, Jess, is – did Florida State have a chance at all once their quarterback went down? Because they said they were looking at the quarterback, right? So, and they said the team is different, which it is. But if what was there a line for them against Louisville in the in the ACC championship game? If that offense would have put up 400 yards, would they have put them in? I really do think it. I think that they probably gave Florida State a chance in the last two games of the season to prove themselves. And if Florida State had had looked a little better offensively, they would have been in. But um, I think it was also probably the shock of finishing watching the SEC championship game yeah. and then tuning in for the ACC championship game. And the the quality of game was just different. And I'm not saying that to knock Louisville, who, you know, they beat Notre Dame this year. They were 10 and two going into the game. They, they deserve to be there. They've got a top 15 defense too. Um, and Florida State shut down their offense completely. But it was just not pretty to watch. It was no. not a pretty football game offensively for either team. Both teams had neg a negative EPA. Um, both teams were finishing in like the you know bottom percentile in all of the offensive stat categories. So credit to the defenses, but that the committee was always just going to look and see how that Florida State offense looked and if they looked like a team that could put up a fight against one of the other three teams in the playoff. And so I think they they gave him a shot and to the committee, it wasn't good enough. And I don't know if that's the right, I don't think it's the right choice. Right. I wouldn't have done that. Right. But I also think that that's completely negating like one of the things that is exciting and fun about football. And one of the things that's cool about the playoff is that you'd have Florida State, Florida State would have gotten almost a month to prepare with their backup quarterback yep. would have been back out of, you right. know, from his concussion and they would have had a chance to like scheme something up with him. They would have had a chance to actually, you know, take time and practice. The, the playoff game isn't happening six days later. Right. Like they would have give the coaches and the players a chance to win a game with their backup and to figure something out. Like that's one of the cool things about football, I think. So it completely 
just took away the option for that to happen. Um, but I do think it really comes down to Jordan Travis's injury and the fact that they just didn't look like the same team offensively afterwards. And a lot of people want to blame the ACC for, you know, being a second tier conference and, and the committee favors the SEC. And there's probably a little bit of that. I don't think the committee would ever leave out a 13-0 SEC champion, even if their starting quarterback got hurt. And the amazing thing is, is Michigan's schedule was horrible, was unbelievable. Florida State had two non-conference games on the road against SEC teams and beat them. And when we sit there and talk about conferences, the SEC and the ACC played 10 times. The ACC was six and four. They had a winning record against the SEC. Now, am I? And do I say top to bottom, the ACC is better than the SEC? No, but they didn't get, it wasn't 0-10. They had a better record in playing the SEC. And the other thing is, for though every year this is painstakingly done to try and get the four best teams to get competitive games in the semis and then the finals. And every single year, except for last year, go look, people, go look at the semis. It is a, at least a two-score win for at least one of the teams, if not both of them. That's where everybody wants to rip Notre Dame. Oh, they went in the semis and got smoked. A team got smoked every year except for last year in the finals. Sometimes both the semifinals had double-digit losses. So I don't want to hear that Florida State was going to get crushed, okay? Every year. Every year a yeah. team has we've gotten let, crushed. We've let people get crushed up until now. What changed? We, we have, we've <laughs> done that, so I don't want to hear it. I will like as a Notre Dame fan, I don't think I don't think Notre Dame has gotten the benefit of the doubt in any. I've seen a lot of like you know Florida State earned the right to get crushed in the semifinal. I don't remember people saying that no. about Notre Dame in 2020 or 2018. No. I remember it being like the butt of every joke, even though 2018 year that 2020 was the COVID year. So a lot of teams didn't even play enough games to to make it to the semifinal. But 2018, the year Notre Dame goes undefeated and plays Clemson in the Cotton Bowl. They get blown out 30 to three. Clemson the next week blows the doors yeah. off Alabama. Nobody talks about that. They were the best team yes. that year by far. And I think even if Ohio State had made it in, it wouldn't have mattered. Yes. So I, I'm with you on that. It just has been a little funny. Like, hey, wait a second. Like that, I don't remember hearing this argument Four years yes, ago. we know what that is. That's just Notre Dame hate. That's just people <laughs> hating and having no clue what they're hating. Blaming Notre Dame for everything when Notre Dame isn't in the committee, one of the 13 people making the decisions. Notre Dame isn't an AP writer, a voter who votes them wherever they are in the AP. It's a joke. It's just haters. But I, I, I feel bad for Florida State. I would have put them in this game. And, and then now I hear people say, Jess, well, uh, Florida State, go beat Georgia in the bowl game, and then maybe you could justify you should have been there. That's the biggest crock because bowl games are like preseason football games. You have no clue who's playing. We have seen already there's over 1,100 players in the portal, not to mention guys that are going to skip like a Caleb Williams, I think like a Brock Bowers uh, from Georgia, that are going to skip their bowl game because they don't want they're going to be high draft choices in the NFL. So bowl and and, and people are going to I let me get this out of the way just for the 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 uh, how it works. Uh, I said there's over 1,100 people in the portal. A lot of people are going to scratch their head at the taping of this uh, on a Tuesday, December 5th. The portal just opened yesterday, and I'm sure people are going to say, "Well, how can there be that many already?" What happens is if your school loses a coach 
you can immediately go in the portal. So November 26th, when the basically the season ended, regular season, and coaches were dismissed or fired, those players right then and there on that day, November 26th, were able to enter the portal, and a lot of them did. So that's why right now you have over 1,100 in the portal. We don't know all the players who are opting out. So to sit there and say, show us you can beat them in the bowl game is a joke. Because bowl games are, 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 I mean, you don't know. It's, it's 15 extra practices that coaches love to use for younger players. It's a fact that you can now play younger players that you're going to redshirt. It can be their fourth game so they can play and still count as a redshirt season. Or to, to see other players out on the field or for players like that were in my position. Now we didn't do this back then, sit out games, but if I were in today's uh, college football, I would play in a bowl game because I would want even more film for NFL uh, evaluators to see. I was not in the position to say I'm set as one of the top picks, so I'm not playing. So you have different reasons for guys to play and different reasons that guys aren't going to play. So putting anything, basing anything on a bowl game outcome is ridiculous. I'm with you. It just, it sucks. One of the things that I think I am the saddest about in the, all the changes of college football is how much the bowls have been, especially the New York six bowls have been devalued where a player is never going to play in the orange bowl just because it's the orange bowl instead of declaring for the draft and leaving. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, it's like, okay, we have a chance to win an orange bowl here. I'll stay, you know, I'm not, you can't opt out or you're not going to opt out. So I get it, but yeah, it's, it's one thing that stinks. I'll still watch every single bowl game. Some of the different names of the bowls, the cricket celebration bowl, the avocados from Mexico cure bowl. I'm going to get to this one bowl in a minute and why I would want to go. The Starco brands bowl, the radiance technologies independence bowl, the famous toastery bowl, the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl. We had the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which I would definitely want to play in. They have an edible mascot. I mean, year. and I would be... I and would, also, yeah. Notre Dame was su- supposed to play yep. in it. There was a um, an article that just came out in The Athletic you believe that this? proved all of my suspicions from Sunday. So the way that this usually happens is the committee ranks the teams, and then based off of who's in the playoff and who's not, there's different conference tie-ins for each New Year's Six Bowl, and then the rest kind of fall into place. So different bowl games have, it's an SEC school versus an ACC school, or a Big 12 school versus an SEC school, et cetera. And so since Florida State got left out of the playoff, they became the highest ranked ACC school not in the playoffs. So they fell into the Orange Bowl slot, which Louisville thought they were going to play in the Orange Bowl. So then it sends off this ripple effect. Right. But with there, there's six bowl games that the ACC has tie-ins to, not New Year's Six Bowls, like outside of the New Year's Six. And there's three that are considered like premium tier bowls. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to name all of them because it's going to get too complicated. But the, those three bowl games, they try to pick teams based on like, you know, how long has it been since this team played here? We don't want to repeat a matchup, something like that. And according to uh, this article in The Athletic, the ACC told those three bowls that they were not allowed to choose Notre Dame to play in them. So Notre Dame got punted down to like the second tier of bowl games, which included the Sun Bowl, which is where they ended up. And it, from all accounts, the Sun Bowl committee is thrilled by this because they said that when Notre Dame played there in 2010, it had the largest economic impact in Sun Bowl history and the game's already sold out. So it ended up being working out for Notre Dame. But 
I think going into Sunday, I was like, all right, Notre Dame's definitely going to play in the Pop-Tart Bowl yep. because that's they haven't played in that one yet. Uh, they played in the you know ReliaQuest Outback Bowl or the Gator Bowl or whatever last year, so they can't be in that one again. So it kind of people kind of thought, all right, they're going to be in the Pop-Tart Bowl. We're going to be able to eat the Pop-Tart mascot. Awesome. I'm going to I'm going to drive up there for the game. Awesome. And then there was like a four hour wait, and finally all this stuff fell into place and they picked the name out of a hat pick the acc attorney picked the their name, name out of a hat on, that's with it this is how bad the ncaa is we already mocked their leadership because that's using leadership in ncaa is is ridiculous to do they picked names out of a hat that's how they decided i mean isn't that the epitome of just how bad the ncaa is at a, <laughs> as a whole is it the NC? Is it the ACC? Like I don't know. I'm mad at everyone right it's now. But horrible. Just yeah. Horrible. So that's how Notre Dame ended up nine and three. Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl. But I'll I'll take it. And we I were, heard, I've heard great things about El Paso. We, we were we were at the Sun Bowl when the boys played there. It was a little cold, uh, and the one of the reasons that it helped we played the U University of Miami. University of Miami did not want to be there when they walked out on that field, and it was freezing that day. That ball game was over. And it was a blowout. It was not even close. Uh, so we, we hit bowl season. I think the first one is December 16th, maybe, or in that yeah, area there. It's the sixth. It's the Myrtle Beach Bowl. But, but here, Southern Georgia and Ohio. Where are they playing that one? Myrtle I Beach. Know, but, kidding, you know, yeah. the, it could be anywhere because yeah. the Bahamas Bowl is no longer in the Bahamas. And, so. and Steve, Levy, kid, but. Steve Levy is bummed because I think he had in his deal that he called the Bahamas Bowl every year. And I think now it's in <laughs> Charlotte uh, this year, wherever, whatever the name yes, of it, it is. Yes, it is in Charlotte. This year. But the, the bowl to me to go to, especially and really only if you're 21 on the team, is the, is the Isleta New Mexico Bowl. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people would say, what is Isleta? Isleta is a casino resort. Oh. So, and I know exactly where it is because when I drive from South Bend to Arizona, when we flip spots or Arizona back to South Bend, we drive through Albuquerque. So I know where this place is. And while there may not be a ton of stuff to do out there in Albuquerque, all I know is, you, you know, you get the swag bag when you go to these games. If I'm 21 or over, I want my swag bag, hopefully full of casino chips. That's what I would want to hit there, hit the casino and gamble for the few days uh, that, that I'm there with my NIL money, right? Get my <laughs> NIL money and I'm bringing it to the casino would be awesome. At New Mexico State versus Fresno yes. State in, in that one. Uh, yeah, um, this is this is going to be fun. I love the potato bowl. I love when they dump French fries on the coaches. Awesome. I love the mayonnaise bowl. bowl. I love that. I thought maybe Notre Dame, I thought maybe Marcus Freeman, win a bowl game, you get mayonnaise dumped on you. Everyone would love that, be, but no. Be awesome. But just whatever. some of the names of these, the 68 Ventures Bowl, the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. They have the city where the bowl was like Las Vegas Bowl, but obviously the sponsor as well. The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. I mean, it, it's just amazing. So, that would be in my contract yeah. to go to that Well, one. my senior year, we went to the Hawaii Bowl. And I'll never forget, I was a captain uh, that year. And long flight, obviously, going to Hawaii. We played, uh, uh, I believe it was SMU there and lost to them, uh, I think, 27-21, my last game in a Notre Dame uniform. But we landed, and Jerry Faust was our head coach, and he pulled the captains aside. It was me, Larry Williams, uh, old lineman, and Joe Johnson, who was a defensive back. And he said, listen, he said, uh, on the flight over here, we found out there was, I think they said $156 worth of mini drink 
you know, the little mini drink things they sell on the planes mm -hmm. were stolen. And, you know, we, we need to figure out what happened. So mm -hmm. we, as captain said, coach, the players are our responsibility. We'll, we'll find out what happened. We will, we will get back to you on that. And he said, okay, all right, appreciate that. And he walked away. The three of us looked at each other, chuckled, and just walked away and never even tried to find out. It wasn't us. We didn't do it. But we also didn't care. <laughs> we, we also did, didn't care. We were seniors. We were leaving. We're, we're like, yeah. yeah, we got you covered. And we went to him a couple of days later and said, Coach, we just can't find out. Uh, we can't find <laughs> anything. I spent my per diem money, Jess. Well, you get per diem money there. And we're there right. for a few days. I spent it in the first two hours. I was 21. <laughs> I spent it in the first two hours at a bar. You know, nice. that, as, as Mike has said, bowl games are also to go drink in a place you've never been to before. And, yeah. And there's, a, it's, there's a lot of truth what, to that. What an opportunity. Yeah. What an opportunity. Yeah, it, go it, it, drink in Hawaii for So a, another a difference, and, and listen, maybe we haven't talked enough Notre Dame. Let's, let's just throw in this note because I think it's amazing. Is as, as I said, you get a lot of players that are entering the portal and who won't play in their games because they enter the portal. There is one guy, at least one guy, that we know of that is entering the portal but is staying with his team throughout the playoffs. And that is an Alabama quarterback named Tyler Buckner. Tyler Buckner was at Notre Dame last year, transferred to Alabama, got a chance to play a little bit, didn't go so well. Jalen Milrow is doing a great job for them right now. But Tyler Buckner is on the Alabama team, and he will be with them through the playoff run, but he also put his name in the portal. Now, I'm sure some people would say, well, how can you do that? He put his name in the portal for lacrosse. He was a highly um, big-time recruit for lacrosse out of high school. As a matter of fact, Alabama is playing Michigan. He, he committed lacrosse-wise to Michigan, I believe, at first, or committed to them. Uh, I, I think I may have gotten the story wrong there, but hey, you know, why let the truth get in the way? I didn't know that, but I'll take why, it. Why, why let the truth get in the way of a good story? Because <laughs> I now think of it and I don't think lacrosse, uh, see the Big Ten in lacrosse. But he is now in the portal and going back to Notre Dame to play on the lacrosse team, which, by the way, is the defending national champs. So, Jess, he could get a national championship ring with Alabama this year go back to Notre Dame, and if Notre Dame repeats, get a national championship ring for the lacrosse team. And as an added bonus, as he's watching the football games in the stands, if, if uh, something horrible happens on the field where Notre Dame loses a couple of quarterbacks, they can look up to Tyler in the stands and say, dude, <laughs> hit the right arm. Come on in, reliever. Go get your suit uniform up. back on and suit back <laughs> up. So what a wild story that is. So he's in the portal, but staying with Alabama and then going to play lacrosse at Notre Dame next year. The, when I saw that he was in the lacrosse portal, I was like, what if, but no. And then like an hour later, it was like, he's a crystal ball prediction as he's going to Notre Dame. Um, I, I'm rooting for that. It would be awesome. And also very funny for, for him to win back-to-back -back national championships like that. I don't think it's probably ever been done before. And also it's like going back to Notre Dame at this point, it's like, you got to take your, your study abroad year in Alabama. And now you can go back and tell everyone how fun it was and go see all your friends from your first few years of college. And like, you don't have to, you know, start over with a new friend group. It's like, <laughs> what, a, what a great time. And, and like Notre Dame's lacrosse team is stacked oh, too. Like I phenomenal. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity. I'm happy for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah, for I him. am as well. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's gonna, 
going to. He was also speaking of bowl games, Mike. He was the Gator Bowl MVP last year. So well, that's right. He, has he a, was, probably has a, a Gator Bowl uh, ring somewhere also. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. He was he was in the Gator Bowl. That is very cool. Uh, one other thing, as far as um, as far as bowl games are concerned, to give everybody because betting on bowl games again, it's like NFL preseason games. But if you want to check out the uh, Vison uh, uh, College Football Bowl Guide. You can go to vsin.com slash bowl guide to download a free guide today while Brent Musburger, the legendary Brent Musburger, has made picks for every one of the bowl games. Me and Mike together combined our, our forces, and he and I made picks on the line for the game and the over-under for every single bowl game coming up, uh, which was a painstaking task as you're trying to figure out who may be on those teams and playing and who may not be. But it is available if you want to check out that site I said uh, and get the free bowl guide if, in fact, you are going to, you know, you know, put a couple of shekels on a game. If you are, uh, good luck to you as well. So <laughs> college football is uh, we start the bowl season. We start the games. We got plenty of time. We'll talk about the final four uh, as we get closer to that. But up next, we will jump to the NFL where – some teams made some big-time statements, both good and bad. That's coming up next. All right, Jess, before we get to the NFL, let's talk about some guys that are going to be in the NFL soon uh, with a, a big piece of hardware, and that's the Heisman Trophy. We just talked a lot of college, but we didn't mention that. Four finalists, Jaden Daniels, LSU, Bo Nix, Oregon, uh, Michael Penix Jr. for Washington and the one non-quarterback Marvin Harrison Jr. for Ohio State, who is not going to win this thing. I think Jaden Daniels is going to win this thing. But if you look at these three quarterbacks, they're one, two, and three in yards passing and one, two, and three in touchdowns thrown this year. So uh, so I don't know what, you know, like my son Mike's a voter. Everybody has their different criteria of who they're going to vote for. I think Jaden Daniels is going to win it. Uh, but th it's a pretty pretty strong force in this year's Final Four. It does seem like all signs are pointing to Jaden Daniels, which is surprising given that he's not on a playoff team, and usually that's like a criteria that the voters consider. Not saying that it should be. I think it's kind of absurd that it is, but um, it would be very funny for Brian Kelly to finally have a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback after he leaves Notre Dame. That's a... That's a conversation for yeah. another day, Mike. Yeah. I love I I stand by loving Michael Penix this season. Yeah, me he's, too. He's not the top in any of those categories, but from a story perspective, what he's been through with injuries, what he yeah. did at Indiana, which is hard to do it, and just from like if you're looking at a, a quarterback's career, um, and you could say some of these things about Bonix too. I and they're all transfers, really, but. Um, I just, I, I love Michael Penix and his team was perfect this year. They won 13 games and I'm excited to watch them play against Texas. I, the, the opportunity for a crazy chaotic semifinal between them and Texas offensively is super high right now. Scoring explosion, as I mentioned, we'll break that down, but scoring explosion potential and Michigan, Alabama potential for an hour and 15 minute game. Uh, with the running and the clock is going to keep running in that game. And you'll see a lot of rushes. One thing uh, real quick before we hit the NFL, three those three quarterbacks, all transfers. 
all transfers. So we'll get another transfer. Caleb Williams, who won it last year, was a transfer. 2019, Joe Burrow was a transfer. 2018, Kyler Murray was a transfer. 2024, Leonard, Riley Leonard. Riley, yeah, yeah. There you go. If he wins that Heisman, (laughs) yes. Cam Newton back in 2010. But you know who started it all off, Jess, as as a Heisman winner who transferred? 1945, Doc Blanchard from Army transferred from North Carolina. He started it all. He started (laughs) college football down this road of players leaving their team. So uh, I thought that was a modern college football phenomenon, Mike. I didn't think anyone ever transferred before. So congrats to those four as one of them will get to hold that trophy and then we'll see uh, those guys in the NFL. Mike, this is this is what's happening in college football with the Heisman is like what's happening in the NFL with the MVP race this year because every single week it feels like there is a different candidate and last week it was Dak Prescott this week maybe maybe it was Jalen Hurts for a minute there now that the 49ers have defeated the Eagles in the regular season I I don't know if Jalen Hurts is anyone's top choice anymore um I, I don't know what to make of this year's MVP race in the NFL just as I don't know what who the hell I would vote for the Heisman if I had a vote other than Sam. The amazing thing is, is, you know, the highest rated quarterback in the league is it's Brock Purdy and Brock Purdy never gets talked about for the MVP. Yeah. I have seen, I have seen some like Twitter graphics with Brock Purdy. I think he might have uh, the highest odds right now on DraftKings. I'm not sure about that, but I've seen a few after this, this Sunday, I have seen some Brock Purdy MVP chatter, which I think would be a pretty controversial choice, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I think it would. He certainly, you know, people, I'm sure a lot of people say, well, look at what he has around him and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I mean, Dak has been playing great as of late and, and it's only six interceptions this year. He had 15 last year. I get to call the game this week, Philly going to Dallas. And all of a, all of a sudden, if Dallas wins that game, they will have split with Philly for the season and they would now be tied at the top of that division. Philly has gone from a, a couple of game lead as the number one seed to almost losing that now after they got small. Think about it, San Francisco already smoked the Cowboys and now smoked Philadelphia. So to not have, to not think that San Francisco isn't the top team overall, right, at this point. And I think, Jess, I would give six teams I think a chance at the, a viable chance at winning the Super Bowl, and that would be San Francisco. It would be Philadelphia. It would be Kansas City. It would be Dallas. It would be Miami and Baltimore. And I think I would stop there because there's Jacksonville. We got to wait and see what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. There's the Lions, who we all love, and it's such a great story. But I put those six there, and then I go Jack Lions and Jacksonville after that, along with some others. But though, and right now. You have to look at San Francisco, right? They've We saw what happened when they had Debo Samuel and Trent Williams out. They went on that three-game losing streak. The, the Eagles have been hurting in the secondary. They have two starting linebackers out. So can they get healthy by the end of the year? Attrition is always a big question. But I think San Fran is number one. But I do think it is open to some other teams to, to jump in there. Yeah, I'm curious what – so you're calling the Eagles game this weekend. Like what – is it just that they are – missing a couple pieces well, is it that like their coordinators left and they're not like completely put together like what is their issue because like they're still 10 and 2 right now well, but the two games that they've lost have been almost inexplicable um and then most of their wins have been pretty close but but not like 
so close that they're, you know, one score and they don't count. Like we talked about with the Vikings last year, where it's like they're winning all these one score games. And then lo and behold, they weren't really that good the whole time. Um, they were just getting maybe lucky at the right moment. So I don't, what do you make of the Eagle? I don't know what, I don't know what to say about that. You know, we look at that team, Jess, and we, we keep saying they don't look like the team in the Super Bowl last year. And yet going into this weekend, they had one loss. They had the best record, but so they would find a way to win. So I think what happens is, is, you don't see you don't see them blowing out good teams, right? They were just beating them. Um, or San Francisco has the ability to. They blew out the Cowboys. They blew, as I said, they blew out uh, the they Eagles. They blew out. They're just yeah. consistently they, able to they can score do that. and move the ball in every and single game. Philly, that they're healthy. Philly against better teams. I don't know if they have that ability. They have the ability to win. Don't get me wrong. If they win the Super Bowl, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my God, how'd that happen? They're good enough to win the Super Bowl. But when they're playing the better teams, their ability to really jump on them. You look at the San Francisco game. They held San Francisco to minus six yards in the first quarter, had two opportunities to get in the end zone, but only got field goals. We're only up 6 nothing. And then next thing you know, San Francisco just starts scoring out of their mind. So, and injuries have hurt them. They've been, I called other games for them this year. They've been hurting in the secondary. And as I mentioned now, a couple of starting linebackers out. Uh, they signed Shaq Leonard, who was released from Indianapolis. Everybody thought because Vandresh from Dallas was gone for the season that Dallas was going to sign him. But now Philly signed him because they have real issues at the linebacker position. So in this game coming up, watch out for Jake Ferguson. Philly's, uh, Philadelphia has been susceptible in the middle of the field. Jake Ferguson, the tight end, is the second leading receiver on that team behind C.D. Lamb. And when they played Philly the first time and lost, I think, by 5, 28-23, he had seven catches, just under 100 yards and a touchdown. So uh, watch for him again to be an important point in this game. But that's what I think of them, Jess. They can win it all, but they're, they're, they don't do it in – Boy, they've got control of this against better teams. And I'm saying when they like get into the playoffs, it's uh, they got to work for it because how many times is what they said five times they've been trailing at halftime, and most of the time they've come back and won those games. But that's hard to live by. That is hard to be down and not know that something in the second half, a turnover, whatever, can cost you, and you don't get that win. And once you get to the playoffs, it's one and done. So um, that game outcome surprised me a little bit. Any others catch your eye? Uh, and well, I, I want to talk about we, we talk about the good teams a lot on the show. I want to talk about a bad team really quick, because what can you explain what's going on with the Jets quarterback situation? Like, I didn't know a, a quarterback could be like, no, I'm good. Actually, I, I don't want to play. And that's what it sounded like from the reports yesterday from Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Zach Wilson was reluctant to come back and start for the Jets. Can't like I, I'm just I guess I expect them to just be like. You're starting. Go play. But it seems like there's some conversation happening. So, here. so let, let's know this. He's done with the Jets after this year, so he may not care what he says there because he's not going to be there next year. But let's let's kind of look at this. Robert Sala has already come out and said that's not true. He said Zach wants to play. Uh, we're just not sure if he's going to play. Blah 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 blah. My thought on this is you have players. Let's look at a Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, who a lot of people are wondering, should he have been back so far? If Justin Jefferson said, you know what, it's, I'm just not feeling it. I'm going to continue to sit out. You know, I'm not, we're still in the playoffs, but right in the bottom of it. I don't think anybody would bat an eye because it's Justin Jefferson. You know he's going to be there. He's the best, if not one of the best wide receivers in the league. Zach Wilson is doing nothing but playing to see if another team will pick him up. 
He's not going to be with the Jets. He's had a bad year. So you would think that's not what he wants left on his resume, what he's done this year, that he would want to get back out on the field and say, I'm better than what you've shown, even though he may not have confidence in the players around him. Believe me, they don't have much confidence in him either. But you would think that he would want to get out there and show for the next team he's going to be on, hey, I can play in this league. But if he And I don't know if he really said this or not. But if he did, that to me, if I'm on another team, I'd be like, wait a minute, I want a guy that wouldn't go back out on the field because he didn't want to get injured because he was playing with a horrible offense. I find it hard to believe that he would do that, Jess. I want to give players who are playing at this level the benefit of the doubt that they know the writing's on the wall. I won't be here. I need to go to another team. I need to play for them, and I need to show them more, and I need to be on the field and do it. So we'll see. Bottom line is it's just horrific. Four game, four plays into their season, and their season went down the tubes. Yeah, it's it's terrible management, I think, too, to bench him for Tim Boyle and then Trevor Simeon. Like, I I don't know. Why didn't they trade for anyone? Well, it just doesn't make any sense. And now yeah. there's reports that Aaron Rodgers is not going to come back after all. Why would he? Why would he come why, back and risk an injury? First of all, how could he? Well, I, know. I still Incredible. am skeptical of that. Second of all, yeah, why would you do that? They're, what What is the Jets record right now? They're 4-8. and 8, four and eight. Four and eight. And they're a big underdog to the Texans this week. Listen, Aaron would be in the best position in the world to say, I could come back, but there's no need to because we're not going to be in the playoffs. And Which is what he did. Yeah, yeah. Great PR and, move and, for and him. Kudos <laughs> to him. Still, even doing what he's doing on the field, not playing, but but fading back and throwing, is incredible for the surgery that he had. But, yeah, that that's not going to happen, nor should it happen. So uh, that's a, a, a horrible situation, the Jets. We'll keep an eye. Obviously, we will on the NFL. But coming up, the in-season NBA tournament, Jess, I have actually started to get into a little bit. So let's do a little basketball talk next. Jess, I'm not going to lie. When the in-season tournament was talked about in the NBA, I kind of laughed it off. And as we were going through the early rounds, the players didn't even know they were playing in these games unless it was a funky-looking court or there was a little trophy next to that that game on the schedule they really had no idea about it they they didn't really like the fact that you needed to come into the end of the knockout round uh that you had to score a certain amount of points just like in in soccer they go on goal differentials point differential i don't think they were too happy Mm -hmm. but now that we're into the quarters and as the taping of this we've had uh one that's already a two that have already been done the pacers beat uh boston and New Orleans beat Sacramento. Tyrese Hall- uh, Halliburton has been unbelievable for the Pacers. Had his first triple-double. This guy is just a budding star. But those two teams win, move on to the semis. Now we have the Bucks playing the Knicks and L.A. playing Phoenix in the other semifinal, to, uh, in the other quarterfinal till we get to the semis next week. But it's kind of grown on me a little bit. And for the players that are still in it, remember, each one gets a half a million dollars cash if they mm-hmm. win this thing. Yeah, I, it's grown on me too. I think that it seemed a little gimmicky when they announced it, with especially because of the courts. I think that that was the major thing. But I do actually think it's great branding for the NBA because you can turn on one of these games and immediately know that it's part of the tournament. Um, and so I also think like the the first time I saw the Bulls court, my eyes like burned, but it, it has I've gotten used to it. Like I have definitely adjusted. Um, so yeah, I think it 
it's very exciting. And if you know that, like, if a team like the Knicks wins the in-season tournament, they're hanging oh, the biggest yeah. banner that you've ever seen at Madison Square Garden. So it's it's what what you needed for what the NBA needed was for the players to buy into it. And it seems like they have. Like, it turns out professional athletes are very competitive, and they don't actually want to lose things, whether it's because of the monetary incentive or just the pride incentive or whatever. They're, these games now have you know a little bit of stakes attached to them, so they're they're fun and and fans have bought in too. Finally. So before I ask you a, a question about in the, in the women's game on the college side, I think this. So again, those are the two quarterfinals that, that are still have to be played, and the semis and the finals are next week in Vegas. Here's what I think they should do, Jess. There's what 15 total players I think on a roster, 12 on a bench. I think 15 total. Let's just say 15 for sake of this argument at 500,000 per would be seven and a half million dollars, right? That would go to that winning team. You know how they do World Series of Poker when they get down to the two team, two, two last players at the table, they bring the big thing of cash and set it down on the table. So you have millions in cash sitting there. That's what they're playing for. That's what they need to do. Get seven and a half million in cash and put it right at the scorer's table, right in the middle, right by the court there, so everybody can see the winning team. You get, you run over, and you—that's your money. I think that'd be so cool. That's a great idea. I'm, I'm definitely here for that. So we, we will see how that ends. We'll talk again next week. We'll be more into getting to the semis and the finals about that. Just let's do a check where we are in women's college basketball, where some of the top teams are, because we certainly have had some switching around a little bit. Where are we? We're at a good place right now to actually gauge who's good and who's not. Turns out South Carolina, still a really good basketball team. One of the few undefeated teams left. There's been a ton of like Iowa's already lost a game. LSU lost their opener to Colorado. Yeah. Stanford lost a game, which like Stanford let, let I think they the final was they got uh, 96 points scored against them, and that has not happened in like decades at Stanford. So it's been a, it's been already been a pretty interesting year. A lot of uh, shakeups. Notre Dame sitting at six and one, despite the fact that they've had a few starters um, battling injuries this year. So um, it's been very exciting. But one of the things that is super interesting, if you're someone who's just like ah, it doesn't matter, UConn's gonna win. Well, you haven't been paying attention to women's basketball for like ten years. That I hate to tell you, but UConn lost to Texas, who is yep. uh, one of the undefeated teams left. They're 9-0 and now, ranked number 10. I think they might be ranked number 5 at the taping of this. But yeah, they this are. is yeah. UConn's, it's the first time they've lost three games in a season this early since 1980. So they're battling injuries too, and they're already having a tough start to their season. I wouldn't be surprised if they still made a deep run in the, in the tournament, obviously, because they're still UConn. But um, if you haven't been paying attention to women's college hoops, this is this is the time to tune in because things are getting crazy. You mentioned in the rankings and undefeated, uh, South Carolina is number one undefeated, UCLA two undefeated, North Carolina State three undefeated. Then you have Texas at five undefeated. It looks like USC is undefeated. And then the lowest ranked undefeated team is Baylor at number 10. So after SC, I mean, is it use, is it, is that order good as far as what teams are next tonight? Cause, cause, cause South Carolina is just, you know, they're, they're incredible. Yeah, they are. And they have played, they've already beaten like a number of ranked teams. Like they yeah. beat Notre Dame in their opener. Yeah. They beat North Carolina a couple nights ago at North Carolina, which was a really, really, really good game. Like really tough comeback for them because they were down early in that game, uh, but outlasted North Carolina, who's, 
you know, a, a very solid ACC team. They're ranked 24th right now, despite losing that game. So, yeah, I mean, it's been electric, Mike. And now that college football season's winding right. down, this is where your attention yep, should it be. It goes to men and women's college uh, basketball, the NBA as well, uh, and NFL. So enjoy all your sports uh, throughout the week. Sunday, uh, I'll again be calling the Cowboys-Eagles game. So, Jess, when we next meet, I will be breaking down for you the Cowboys food that they put out. One of the best in the league. One of the best (laughs) in the league, what they put out for the press. So I'm going to break that down for you. Keep me posted. I'm excited.